Now look at verse 38, same chapter, Luke 6, 38. Here's another one. Jesus said, always remember with me, giving is eternally compensated. You know, companies compensate you while you work for them. He says, I eternally compensate. And he says in verse 38, give and it will be given to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He says, if you give, I'll eternally compensate you more than you can ever imagine. Uh, Look at chapter 16. Here's another one. Luke 16 and verse 9. Now, this is a fascinating one. Jesus said, temporal treasures can always be exchanged for eternal wealth. And, and this is an interesting one. If you really think about it, the commentators are split, but I go with the side that believes he's talking positively. And this is what he says, verse 9. I say unto you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlast, an everlasting home. Now, I take that positively, an everlasting home. Jesus usually never joked about anything to do with eternity. Now, that's the New King James. Now, the NIV has it even clearer. This is what it says. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. In other words, in heaven, why do I say that? Because when it is gone, your worldly wealth, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. You know what I can see? kind of like that thank you song that a lot of missionaries used to always play that music in the background when they were showing their slides. You know, thank you for giving to the Lord, and it showed all these poor people with their big smiles. That's on earth. Jesus was saying, in heaven, you're going to get to meet the people you helped, that you invested in, and they're going to invite you over to the room God made for them so you can talk about how great the Lord is and how he connected you through giving. Here's the last one. Look at Luke, or I mean uh, Acts chapter 20. And then we've got to conclude. Acts chapter 20. By the way, this is amazing. This is a word of Christ that's not in the Gospels. Paul was inspired to tell us this word of Christ. And it says in chapter 20, verse 35, that Jesus loves and blesses givers. And Paul said, I've shown you in every way, Acts 20, 35, by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of, our, of the Lord Jesus, that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said, I love givers and I bless givers. Now I'd like to conclude with this. What's our responsibility today? Last verse, go to 1 John, almost to Revelation again, but just before Revelation, 1 John chapter 3. This is probably the most important verse of all. So just go to the end and back up to 1 John 3, starting in verse 16. Because each of us that are believers have been given a stewardship by God of the time and treasures or money that we have in our oversight. God is watching each of us individually to see with what we do, with what he temporarily gave us to pull through life. We're going to hold on to it to the bitter end, or are we going to do something with it? And this is the, the 16th verse of 1 John 3 is amazing. And it shows how clearly our view of money reflects the control God has on us. This is what it says in verse 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So the context is believers and, and our responsibility to believers. Verse 17. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, now look at this, and shuts his heart from him, looks away, doesn't want to know about the need, doesn't want to be bothered by that. Look at the next line. 
How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now, here's the concluding thought. Are we rich and increased with goods and becoming blind? In other words, are we insensitive to the poor? Well, as a group, they spend less than 1% of their income aiding any of the poor people. In fact, in the United States in 2012, Forbes magazine said this, that of every 100 we earn in income, $33 we spend on our house, $17 goes for our food, more than half of which we eat out because we have so much money, we don't even need to make it ourselves, which would be cheaper. We're going to have someone else make it for us, you know, so we can sit and be served. And $7 in health care, but I can promise you that's going to go up. And $15 on transportation, $4 on recreation. By the way, Forbes mentions that if we only cut out our 4% of recreation and amusement, it would meet every medical need of the 80% of the world. That's how much money we have. But we need to be recreated and NASCAR'd and movied. And $3 we spend on clothes, and about $2 is given to charitable uses but only a tiny part of that ever leaves America. Now the question is, I wonder how the villagers down on the crowded plain, a third of which are suffering from malnutrition, feel about the people who live up there. You see why they stick their arms in the window when they see one of us? Hoping it'll elicit a response. Now look back before we go at 1 John 3, and here's what the Lord said. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. He gave himself for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now you notice this is just in the 80% of the people on the flatland. If nothing else, Jesus is saying, verse 17, if you have this world's goods, and you see a believer in that undeveloped 80% of the world living down there on less than a dollar a day, and you shut your heart from them, how does the love of God abide in him? Verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth.